Hello, welcome to our broadcast today here at Faith Builder. My name is Scott Phillips, and it is our desire that you would be blessed by what we share today. Over the next few months, uh, we'll share things I have seen and been pondering about the Word of God, as well as uh, guests, friends, and people that uh, come across my path and I enjoy talking to about the Word of God. So sit back, enjoy it, and if this podcast blesses you, I encourage you to uh, subscribe, to give us a good rating, and to share it with your friends. God bless you. We pray that your faith is built today on Faith Builder. Hello, and welcome to Faith Builders. My name is Scott Phillips, and I want to share something with you that the Lord impressed deeply on my heart while I was visiting the Dallas-Fort Worth area here a couple of months ago. Uh, A dear friend of mine, Kevin Shindall, who pastors Way of Life Church in Hearst, they have a prayer meeting, and I was there in prayer with he and the rest of the church people. And as I began to walk around the church, I I was walking past the pulpit, and I heard almost an audible voice, a roaring lion. And I stopped. I actually got a piece of paper and wrote it down. And I wrote it down, a roaring lion. And uh, I began to meditate upon that. Of course, my mind immediately went to the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5. Our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so I, 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 I did some study. That was on Tuesday and all throughout the day Wednesday because I had been asked to preach there. Uh, I was meditating and trying to figure out what the Lord was saying to me. And I began to do some study about lions. Lions, their roar can be heard up to five miles away. A lion's roar can be louder than thunder. A lion's roar is something that they are are uh, synonymous with. You think of a lion, you you think of a mane, <laughs> you think of a predator, and you think of a roar. And so as I began to meditate on this, uh, it, it, I, I did some study and I began to search the scripture, and I found that most of the instances where a lion is mentioned, it is not in a negative connotation in connection to the devil, but it is a, a positive connotation in relationship to victory because of God. The tribe of Judah uh, was symbolically represented as a, as a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ himself has been given the the symbology of a lion. And so I began to think about this. And and the Lord took me to uh, the book of Job. And the book of Job is a study that I believe that, that the Lord put in there to encourage everyone that finds themselves going through hard times and they may accuse themselves, the devil may accuse them them, or even others who should know us better will accuse us because bad things happen. So the book of Job opens 
And, and the Bible says that, that the sons of God came and appeared before the Lord. And Satan himself came. And the Lord looked at Satan and said, What have you been doing? And Satan says, I have been going to and fro throughout the earth. And, and the Lord says, Have you considered my servant Job? And the devil says, says He doesn't serve you for nothing. I, I can't touch him. You've got a hedge around him. Uh, the Lord says, uh, He is a perfect man. One that fears God and eschews evil. And, and Satan says, uh, let, let, let me, let me uh, touch him and he will curse you. And so the Lord says, okay, you can touch everything he has. Just don't touch his body. And so Satan slithers, flies, vanishes from heaven. And over the next few moments of Job's life, there is absolute tragedy that befalls him. Everything that would be accounted as a blessing, as increase, as good, is, is wiped away, destroyed, burned up, blown away. Terrible tragedy. The Bible says that, that when this happens, the Bible says that, that Job proclaimed, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Next chapter, same thing happens. The Lord is there, the sons of God come, and Satan is there as well. And the Lord says, uh, Have you considered my servant Job? And 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 it's almost like the Lord is saying, Hey, I had faith in my boy, and my boy did pretty good. He he didn't sin with his mouth. And, and Satan says, oh, skin for skin. Let me touch his skin. Let me touch his body and he'll curse you. And the Lord says, okay, just don't kill him. And so Satan goes and gives Job his worst. The Bible says he was struck with boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. And we are given a picture of him taking broken pottery and scraping the boils and the pus and the infection out. And he is in utter uh, uh, pain. How bad was it, you may say? His wife, I believe from a pure heart, said, Job, I don't want to see you suffer. Curse God and die. And Job there in a place of unspeakable pain looks at her and says, You speak like a foolish woman. Shall we not receive good of the Lord and evil? And in all of this, Job maintained his integrity. And so I want you to see that in the first chapter, and I encourage you to read it, this will encourage you. We see there's two voices here in the beginning of the book of Job. There is a voice, the voice of the Lord God Himself that believed in Job. He applauded Job. He was proud of Job. And he trusted Job. God had faith in Job. How much so? He was willing to challenge Satan to say, uh, why don't you see what you can do with Job? He will, he'll pass the test. And the Bible shows us the second voice is the voice of Satan, the devil. He does not believe in Job. He doubts Job's integrity. He doubts Job's motives. He has no faith in Job. And so you have the voice of God that says, I believe in Job. He's a good man. He's going to do what's right.
And you have the voice of the devil. Job is a, is a self-serving, uh, unrighteous person. And the only reason why he's doing good is because it's getting good stuff. So there's two voices. So what happens is, is, is in the midst of this trouble, this pain, his friends, the friends of Job show up. And for seven days, they just look at Job and they don't say anything. They're just astonished. They are blown away. How could this most blessed man in all the world, the best man we've ever known, how is it these bad things have happened to him? And so they began to talk. And what you hear coming from their mouth is not the voice of the Spirit of God, but rather they are giving voice to the spirit of the accuser. They began to doubt him. They began to accuse him. They began to undermine him. And so you see here in this chapter, you see an illustration what is, is going on in all of our lives, either with someone we know or we may be going through trouble and we hear these voices from people that we know. And there's two voices, the voice of the Spirit of God and there is the voice of the accuser. And here's the thing. One of the greatest uh, conduit of God's purpose in this world is the fact He gave you and I a voice in which we can roar. And when we open up our mouth, we're either going to roar and echo the voice of God into our life, into the lives of people we know, into those that we love, into those we may feel responsible for. And either we're going to roar faith and roar encouragement and roar hope in that person. If we're not careful, we will instead begin to amplify that voice of the accuser, that voice that doesn't believe, that voice that doesn't uh, uh, give any value or any virtue to this person that's going through a difficult time. And so here is the title of my, my thought this morning. Who, for whom shall you roar? Will you roar for the Spirit of God concerning the lives of people? Or will you roar? Will you give your voice to roar for Satan. Oh, <laughs> oh, that hurts, doesn't it? It does, because we all, if we don't probably have to rewind the clock very far, because our default position is negativity. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Notice that death is the, the, the default. You, you have to stop and think before you start talking. Because if you just start talking off the top of your head, chances are what's going to flow out of your voice, the roar that's going to come forth from you, is not going to be positivity. It's going to be, it's going to be your carnal nature roaring. When if you just stop and get into the Spirit of God, chances are what you would say would be so much different and could make the difference in someone's life. You know, the example of this is found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Just early on in the early church, the Bible tells us about a man. His name is Joseph, Joseph. And, and the scripture says that he had already at that time been given a nickname, Barnabas, 
which meant the son of consolation. He was a man that was an encourager. He was known as Joseph. That's not a bad name. But he had been given a nickname, Brother Encourager. He's a man that's going to encourage you. Where he goes, you're going to feel lifted. That's, that's who he was in chapter 4 of Acts. The Bible says that there was a need that, that came up in the church. and The Bible says that, that Barnabas was moved by the need and he went and sold property that he had. Maybe he didn't have the cash. Maybe he didn't have the money. So he went and sold something that he owned and he brought the total cost of that sale and laid it at the feet of the apostles. And, and this is the first time you hear about him. You hear about him in two or one or even in the Gospels. But it was this gift. It was this, this something inside of Brother, Brother Encourager that says, you know what, I'm going to roar with my finances when I see my brother and my sister going through a difficult time. I may not have the cash, but I'm going to do what I can to be sure the need is met. And you hear the voice of Barnabas roar. A few chapters later, there's a great persecution in the church. In fact, the chief persecutor of the church was by a man by the name Paul. Paul was standing by and holding the coats of those that had, had stoned the beloved Stephen. He was even on the road to Damascus to go to Damascus and, 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 and imprison and persecute some more. And the Lord struck him down with a light and spoke to him with an audible voice. And, and, and the Lord brought a conversion, a life change, salvation to the Apostle Paul, the persecutor of the church. And the church was very suspicious. Here's a man that had murdered Stephen, been there, complicit on the murder of Stephen, and had been uh, one of the leading voices to bring persecution and trouble and imprison the church. And somebody says, this worst of the worst has been converted. They, they were suspicious. But Barnabas went down to talk to to Saul, who was Paul at that point because of Jesus changing his name. And Barnabas, brother encourager, he came to the church and said, Church, this is a good man. God's really done something for him. We need to bring him in and accept him. And so you look at the effect of Paul's ministry. And you cannot take that into account without recognizing the pivotal role that Brother Encourager played in his life. He was a man that gave his voice and he roared for someone coming into the church from the outside. He roared for someone that had a reputation that was contrary to the church. But he understood. He saw the virtue in Brother Paul and he brought Brother Paul. And so when you open your Bible and you read Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians and you read all of the writings of Paul, we must stop and consider how important Barnabas was. Because though he never wrote a book, we don't even see where he, he, he founded a church. He was a companion of those who worked in the gospel. And he gave his voice. He roared for those coming in from the outside. He roared when there was a need in the church. And finally, we find a story where Barnabas is traveling with Paul. And John Mark, young man, got tired. I'm of the opinion that, that Paul was a hard-driving soul. 
I, I picture him as a man that needed little sleep and he was driven. He, he had abundant energy just because look what he did compared to everybody else. He got stuff done. Well, not everybody's Paul. And I've been around people that are just like a machine. They're just moving all the time. And they can be very frustrated with people that operate on a different cycle and level of energy. And and Mark, for whatever reason, left a missionary journey of Paul. And he comes back and Paul says, Nope, I've written you off. You disappoint me one time. I'm not going to give you another chance. And Barnabas, who had lifted up his voice for Paul, lifted up his voice for John Mark and said, Paul, you go with Silas and I'm going to take John Mark and we are going to go do a work for the kingdom as well. Though they had a parting of ways, they still were in the church. Think about that. Who wrote... Who wrote the Gospel of Mark? This same individual wrote one of the first Gospels. Many say that the Gospel of Mark was the first Gospel penned. And and so we could attribute some credit to Barnabas. Because when he saw an injustice, when he saw something that was unfair, Barnabas opened his mouth and roared. He roared for John Mark. He roared for... For the Apostle Paul. He roared for the early church with his money. He roared with his faith in those that, that he knew had a bad past. He roared. Even for those that had backslidden, those that had walked away, he still he was echoing the voice of the Spirit of the Lord that says, I believe in Paul. I believe in John Mark. And so here's the thing. You and I have within us the same capacity, the same capability to give our voice, to echo a spirit. Either we will echo the voice of the Lord or we will echo the voice of the accuser, the critical, uh, uh, always finding fault, always looking for a reason to be mad. Or you could say, you know what? This is my church. This is my family. This is my calling. I will roar for it. And in closing, David, young man, comes to the battle. Here's the Goliath, the giant. Goliath, the giant. And he runs out to meet him and then on his way picks up five smooth stones. There's only one giant. He's got five stones. He, he winds up. And he gives it a whirl and that stone hits Goliath straight in the head. Goliath falls down. David runs up and cuts the head off the giant. And David becomes a sensation in Israel. And ultimately, one day David becomes the king. But four other stones. Why did he pick up four, five stones when he only needed one? I would say to you that maybe either David knew or the Spirit of the Lord knew. There were four sons of Goliath. And over the next number of decades, you find the giant coming. And David fights with them. But there come a day a giant came that David was unable to defeat. Uh, the, the giant said, I will now slay the giant killer. 
But something rose up in the mighty men of Israel. They said, we will not stand by and let our man of God be taken down. We, we, David, you don't need to slay another giant for me to believe in what you are to this kingdom and what you are to the church and what you are to the people of God. And they said, David, won't you take a step back? And David's mighty men slew with David a total of five giants. You know what? We're in this together. And sometimes people in the past may have been, done great things for us. But we must not stand by and say, well, let's see what you can do now. What have you done for me lately? And we need to take upon us the mantle and say, what can I do for you? I'm going to give my spirit, my mind, my mouth to roar for you. Because I have made up my mind, I am going to roar for the people of God. I am going to roar for the backslider. I'm going to roar for the sinner. And I'm going to roar for the man of God. Because that's who I'm going to give my voice to. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a determination that we need to make. I will roar. I will roar for God's kingdom, God's people, God's ministry. How many of you are with me? Amen. So I pray that, 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 that this, this message would be more than just a tickling of the ear, but that it would get down in our heart. And if there's been some times when you've lifted up your voice, you've given your voice to be that of a, a criticizer and a, neg neg a source of negativity and, and a, just, a, just a critic, repent. Repent. Quit giving your voice to the devil carnality, flesh, strife, and give your voice to the voice of God that believes, that believed in you so that one day you could do for others what someone has done for you. So I hope that builds your faith today. Thank you for tuning in. Christ? Awesome. He is the only way, truth, and life. It is in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, where everything flows. We have an opportunity to add to our faith, build upon our most holy faith, and grow in faith. And that is my goal, to grow in faith. Thank you for tuning in to Faith Builder today. If you are blessed, subscribe to the podcast, share it with others, and consider rating our podcast. This will help us reach further than we could by ourselves. Your help in this is deeply appreciated. Faith Builder. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God.